Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Last week's scripture that we um, based around was Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, which says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. When do we pray? All the time. How do we pray? All the ways. We pray for all the people. And if we believe what's possible, all the things. And uh, and that's what we looked at last week, that uh, all things are possible for those who believe. But I did make the disclaimer that this week we'd look at some of the ways that we shouldn't pray in order to make sure that we're praying according to the Lord's will. So we're going to uh, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to just work through as much of this passage um, as time allows before Pastor Trish comes and takes us forward into our everyday life. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So just pausing there for a moment, when, uh, people, when people have looked at this passage and, and kind of wondered, well, did people go out and announce it with trumpets? That was certainly one thing that could have taken place, that people actually fully announced their giving with trumpets. Other people have said that it was actually the clanging of the coins into the coffers in the synagogues that made that kind of echoey sound. And they love to throw their coins in in this demonstrative kind of way. Hey, I'm a giver. Look at me. I give and give and give. Um, but others have said, well, actually, it's like just a metaphor, you know, like blowing your own trumpet, that they went and they, they do it to blow their armpit and they do it to sound how good they are and be honoured in the streets. And it says there that they've received their reward in full, but in the Greek it says they've not only received it, but they've exhausted it. There's nothing else for them to receive. So going to verse 3, it says, But when you give to the needy, do not leave, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is a little bit tricky because how on earth do you not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing? Have you ever tried it? Right hand, mind your own business. My left hand is up to something and you shouldn't know about it. Clearly, like there's a bit of um, metaphor and simile and all that kind of thing. It's, it's not meant to be taken exactly literal. The whole point is our motive. It says there that if you do it before men in order to be seen by them. So it's not so much the action as it is the motive. What's your motive when you give it? Is, is it for good and people see it? Well, that's okay, unless you're doing it so that they see it. Um, that's when it's not okay. Heading into prayer, verse 5. And when you pray, so let's just for a moment realise that all of these are givens. Jesus is talking to an audience and he's saying these are givens. It's not if you give, it's when you give. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. And he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners, again, to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full and in fact exhausted it. So this word hypocrites is the word actors. Uh, and, And what happened was is that actors, who's ever been to a stage show? Yeah, a few people here, a few very creative people who would never go to a stage show if you paid them a million dollars. 
No. Okay. Yeah, Scotty, I thought, I thought I'd see at least your hand. Um, but I have actually dragged Daz to the odd screen uh, stage show. And it's very different acting from screen shows. If someone acted on the screen like they act on stage, you'd be like, calm down, person. You don't need to be so over the top. But because someone is on the stage that's way down there, they have to be over the top. They have to be demonstrative. They have to, oh, I'm so sad. Like if someone, I know I've missed my calling, but if someone acted like that on the screen, you'd be like settle. That person is such an overactor. But everything, every action is exaggerated. Now, Daz and I, um, we've been to a few now, but we always have to buy the cheap seats. And, um, and I mentioned one time how beautiful the um, actress was who was acting. And Daz said, can you see her? And I, I said, yeah, like, like and, and, you know, she was really good, her, her facial expressions. She was like, can you see their facial expressions? So for those of you who don't know, Dad, Daz has real poor eyesight and he didn't have a clue that I could actually see the person. He can just see a vague figure that's acting down on the stage. And so that's why they need the big gestures and the big arms so that people like Daz can know that they're there. Um, <laughs> But, but they, they have this demonstrative way about them. And, and what this is saying is that they're people that pray and they beat their chest. And, and you might know people like this. You know, I think in the chapel culture, this is maybe not a thing so much. And it's a bit of an indictment that it's not a thing in a way because there's not as much room for people to be able to be so demonstrative in prayer uh, I don't know if I'm making sense, but because there's not um, heaps of prayer all the time, although we're changing that and you would notice that, there's not time for people who are show-offs in prayer to have a crack. Now, that's good, but it's also a bit of an indictment that they don't have the room to be able to do that. So I don't think that it's really our problem that we've got people who are the prayer, want to be known the prayer warriors. But let me tell you, if someone has to tell you that they're an intercessor... The intercessors are usually in their room praying. They don't need to tell you. They're just loving praying all the time. Um, if someone just tells you how powerful they are in prayer, um, maybe tell them that they're missing out on the time that they could be praying right now. <laughs> That's a bit facetious. Okay. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is... And Jason, you prayed up the front this morning. You were not in your room. You did not close the door. Again, again, it's using hyperbole to say um, your motive. If your motive is to be seen by men, uh, thanks for inviting us to the 10, Jace, where you MC again. Um, if your motive is to be seen by men, then, then you've missed it. It's actually about praying and your heart before your father. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. I, I, I love this because I don't, who, who struggles praying? Has anyone struggled praying particularly out loud? Like, just please don't make me pray. If you call on me to pray, I break out in a rash. I hate it. Um, so not me. I'm talking about you. Um, so babbling like pagans. This is saying clearly that you can pray, and the first verse that we read out, with all kinds of prayer requests. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to say all the things. You just need to pray from your heart. It says here, do not be like them before your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Luke talked about this last week, that when we enjoy our Father and enjoy His presence and enjoy who He is, then, then actually we're acknowledging and we know that He loves us and He already knows what we need even before we ask, yet He still says to ask. He still says that we should ask. He still wants us to open up our mouth and ask him. 
I grew up in a church where we did have lots of room for public prayer. Um, services went for about two and a half hours, so you could um, have time for people to pray. And as teenagers, um, needing to endure a two and a half hour service, this is not a good thing, teenagers, but we did tend to make fun of all the people who were praying and categorise them. And there were some people who were preachers and they would pray, but they would really preach whatever they wanted to pray. Dear Lord, um, I pray and I thank you uh, for this five-point revelation that you gave me from that message, like number one, where you say that blah, 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 and they'd actually give a sermon in their prayer. Or they would say, Lord, please help the young people to go on the cleaning roster and not leave it to the old people all the time. Or they would say whatever it might be. Um, and, and, you know, it was actually really a great thing that people would work up, overcome their mortifying fear of public speaking and prot loud because they wanted to launch out in faith. I remember Dan and Jules, they had Zachy. Dan and Jules, they hate public speaking. Um, but they had Zach, little Zach in the pram, and they came to a point where they went, you know what, we want to normalise prayer for our son. So as much as we don't like this, we take it in turns to pray every service out loud. And I love that. But by far, everyone's favourite prayer was Tony Edwards. Tony Edwards was a knockabout, maybe for year seven, maybe didn't. Um, awesome guy, taekwondo expert. Um, he was, he was um, a blue-collar worker. He was a champion. Everyone loved him. He was just straight down to earth. He married the pastor's daughter. And, uh, and, and he would pray like this. Oh, yeah, I got... Uh, Struggling with the Wi-Fi, um, we're just heaps selfish. So would you help us with that? And that would be it. And everyone would just get a grin on their face. And I felt like God would get a grin on his face. Or he would pray, he'd say, God, my boss is a bludger and I'm sick of him annoying me. Would you help me overcome that and just do what you want and serve him properly? Thanks, God. Love you heaps, eh? And that was it. And it was so raw and real and the best. And that's the kind of relationship. Now, don't pray like that if that's not who you are. Just pray however you are. It's this thing of, like we talked last week, the Billy Graham, just a two-way conversation between you and God, just you being you before him, but bringing everything before him. And then Jesus says in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Now, as a somewhat modern, traditional church, we don't do this often enough. We don't pray the Lord's Prayer often enough. Um, I feel like if we were to ask our kids, can you pray the Lord's Prayer, they'd be like, God, my boss is a bludger. <laughs> but, but let's do this. Let's pray this together um, from, the, from the quotation marks. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And many versions say that we would all remember, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. It's a beautiful prayer that Jesus gave us to pray. And, you know, it's often prayed at funerals and, and in, in many churches every week, but it's great for us to remember this. It's great for us to glorify God, to declare His will over ours, to pray for Him to provide our needs for provision and submit our requests to Him and to pray that He keeps us and holds us and then finally to give Him the glory. Verse 14 says this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's just take a Selah moment. 
God's love is unconditional. His forgiveness, this verse suggests, is incredibly conditional on us forgiving. So if you want forgiveness from God, you better make sure you don't hold any grudges. You better make sure you keep short accounts. I need desperately God's forgiveness in my life every single day. So I need constantly to release people and what they've done and what they've said about me and just let it go because I need him. Verse 16, when you fast. That's interesting. Jesus suggests that this is a given as well. And we would say, yeah, but Bron, this is to a Jewish audience. And yet we're all still praying the Lord's Prayer. And yet we're all still forgiving people. And yet we're giving and we're praying. But yet we say that this fasting section is just for the Jewish audience. That's an interesting thought. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we're going to talk a little bit more about fasting at the end and and obviously tomorrow we head into 21 days of prayer and fasting. Let me just say, if you've got any kind of medical condition where you can't fast, then don't even feel compelled. If you don't feel compelled to fast, don't fast. Like it's, it's no big deal. This is just giving instruction about when you do and when that time comes. And it might be, you might decide that this period of prayer and fasting is time for you to launch out in this. Um, some people are really... They really don't like it being called fasting if it's not food. Um, so that's cool too. Like just forego something. If something is distracting from God and from praying, then forego that for these 21 days. For me, that is the television. Okay, verse 19. Actually, I'm just going to go straight to the end. I'm going to go straight to verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So just looking at this this morning, we've got three kind of moi prayers We've got three moi prayers. One is, um, look at me, look at moi, look at moi, and where the hypocrites are on the street corner and they want to be seen for praying. And then we've got um, one, um, are you listening to moi, uh, where I'm going on and on and I've got to try and do enough for you to hear me, God. And then this last one, I'm looking at moi, uh, where I'm just thinking about everything that I need. And, and the Bible says here, your father knows about these things. You can be praying bigger prayers. You can be praying larger prayers. And that's what Pastor Trish is going to talk to us about in just a moment. So reflection time. This is the time that we look at, is there anything? I know this for some of you, this is an incredibly familiar passage. But is there something here this morning that stood out to you that you haven't seen before? And if not, maybe just do a quick skim of the rest of the chapter and have a look. And then the second thing is, is there a question that you've got about this? And the next part is, what can you take away from this? So let's spend five minutes talking among ourselves or reflecting in our, on our own or scrolling through our phone. Uh, well, I'm going to continue Bron's message this morning um, as we go 
forward into the topic of prayer. So we're going to look at three different types of prayer this morning. And as we prepare to launch into 21 days of prayer and fasting, I hope that this resonate with you, but also challenge you. It's definitely challenged me as I looked at these prayers. So the first one is a prayer of intercession. So if you're taking notes, first one is a prayer of intercession. So this kind of prayer is not about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about someone else. It's where we go and fight on the front lines of someone else's battle. And there is a time to pray for ourselves. We've talked about that. Bron has talked about that. But let's always ensure that we take the time to all pray for someone else. I love um, going to dinner with some of our friends unless we have Asian or, you know, Thai or Indian or um, all of those meals where if you order something, you're expected to put it in the middle and share it with everybody else, right? (laughs) So the vindaloo is not just for you. Yeah, I think COVID maybe has brought that back a little bit. Maybe we're (laughs) adjusting. Woo! (laughs) But, you know, if you order something, you get it for everyone. And a prayer of intercession is where you take your time, your passion, your voice, your love, and you spend it on someone else. Paul was an incredible intercessor. He was an incredible intercessor. In every letter, he tells people how he's praying for them. And not only that, but what he is praying for them. He tells the Romans he prays for them all the time and is praying for um, and is praying to come to them and for endurance and encouragement and they glorify God together. He prays for the Corinthians for comfort. He prays for wisdom, revelation, and enlightenment for the Ephesians. He tells the Philippians he prays for them with joy and confidence. He prays for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding for the Colossians. He prays with gratitude and consistency for the Thessalonians. He prays for Timothy's ministry. Paul, who is unable to be with the early Christians, decides instead to be with them in prayer. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty good um, use of time. I recently heard the story about a missionary who was unable to get to his posts because of COVID 2020. <laughs> he could go to one place and minister, but he couldn't get to um, the other where he would go out to outlying areas and do visitation and preach and disciple people. So he decided that he would spend the same amount of time that he would spend ministering there and the travel time, add that up, dedicate that amount of time to praying for those he usually ministered to. How's that for a challenge? He found that there was greater discipleship, greater growth, more salvations, more baptisms than he had ever encountered by being there himself. Intercession is powerful. It's powerful. Your prayers on behalf of someone else are powerful. They are effective because you are not the light. God is the light. And it's our job to bring the light to people. We don't need to be physically there for that, right? Um, let me challenge you to three kinds of intercession in your prayer time pray for the world pray for the world find out what's going on out there beyond what your form of entertainment is telling you beyond what social media is telling you beyond what some woke white female fanatic is telling you (laughs) why do we know so much about the politics in America and yet so little about the martyrs in Syria We're fed the news that seems the most relevant to our lives, right? And so we need to get past that. We need to get beyond that, educate ourselves, and let's get outside of us, our own world. Let's pray for Australia. 
It's easy to whinge about something. Some might even say Australian patriotic right to have a little bit of a whinge, but let's turn a whinge into a binge of prayer. (laughs) You actually can't keep judging something when you are interceding for it because you get invested. And the same is true for praying local. You know, Tamworthians take the whinging about where we live thing up a notch (laughs) often. And the amount of times I hear people wish that they were somewhere else. But you know what? Let's spend time praying for this city because your heart becomes passionate about it when we do that. Pray for what's hurting this town. Immerse yourself in prayer for the heart-wrenching issues. If there is something you don't like about Tamworth, intercede for it. Yeah? This is all something we can do. So intercessory prayer. The second type of prayer is a prayer of intensity. Prayer of intensity. So a good vindaloo will have you sweating it out. It will have your nose, ears, eyes and every gland running and you keep eating it until it's done. A prayer of intensity is kind of like that. It's better though. (laughs) It's one of perseverance and it's one of endurance. In Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer... He goes on to recount Jesus' parable about a friend who forgot to do the shopping before he had some guests over. So he goes to his neighbour to ask for some of his. But the neighbour yells out and says, look in bed and um, the door is locked. We're all snug as a bug in a rug and we can't get up. But because the friend is persistent and keeps knocking on the door, eventually the neighbour gets up. Now, it's also like the, little, the story of the woman and the judge last week, where the evil judge won't help the little woman out. So she has to get a mongrel on, and she has to annoy him until he will. And we're tempted to think because of those stories, so do we need to pester God? Do we need to annoying? But Jesus makes the same disclaimer of, hey, you who are evil know how to give good gifts. So how much more does your father know how to give good gifts to your children, to his children? He'll give the spirit to those who ask. The best gift you can get. Like the best gift you can get. And then the spirit will also teach you how to pray, as we read in Ephesians 6.18 last week. You know, exerting grit in prayer is a spiritual discipline for us that we can benefit from. Because grit in prayer leads to grit in life. And it's a good thing. We know the value of an answered prayer when we've waited to see the answer for it, right? You know the value of something if you've had to wait to get it. But know that God is a good God who knows how to give good gifts to his children. He knows how to give the best of gifts. You don't need to annoy him, but if you need to keep praying, it's about grit. It's okay. A prayer of intensity is where we keep going until we feel the release to not pray for that anymore. We don't give up. We don't give up. We persevere in prayer. And for me, this looks like um, putting something on my prayer board and it stays up there to prompt me to continue to pray for it, to physically keep it in front of me, and also to symbolically keep it in front of God, to remind myself God still knows I'm praying for that um, until I feel a release to move on from it. So there's things you can do to help you to keep praying for the thing that you need to keep praying for with intensity. When Jesus was in the garden, that was a prayer of intensity. That was an intense prayer. He sweat drops of blood. That was intense. The disciples, in comparison, had no perseverance, instead falling asleep. 
it's probably more <laughs> likely to be in that scenario. But Jesus nailed the difficulty when, this, when he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, and that's what the time of fasting is. It's a time of sowing into the spirit and denying the flesh and saying, I know I'm weak. I know I'm weak. So I hand it all over. I surrender it to God. Denying food or denying the flesh, its focus is forgoing the things that we usually go to. I don't rely on this. Something done. I rely on this. Prayer number three is a prayer of abdication. A prayer of abdication. The most famous prayer of abdication is prayed by Jesus himself. In the garden, in the midst of his prayers of intensity, the release came when he prayed, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Prayer itself is abdication. By praying, we're taking ourselves off the throne of our own life and saying, God, I'm coming to you. I humble myself and submit myself to you. Around a century ago, a cardinal penned this prayer. Oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honoured, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebuke, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus. Grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen, I set aside. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Ouch. I'm not even sure I want to pray that prayer. Does that mean I prayed it? Because I, well, but I want to desire to want to pray it. You know what I mean? I, and I think my fear comes from if all of that is done in me, I'll be so unseen and so unacknowledged. And not in, a, you know, I need to be insta-famous kind of way, just in a normal amount that people want to be seen and understood and appreciated. But the reality is with God, all of that may come to pass in my life. That would be amazing. My life would not get smaller. If all of that happened, my life would not get smaller. In God's currency, it enlarges. I'm already and constantly seen. That doesn't change by serving others around me. Because I serve El Roi, the God who sees, who has always seen. He sees the invisible, the forgotten, the small. He has always chosen to hang company of the ordinary. 
when it could have hung with anybody. So praying a prayer of abdication does not diminish us. Rather, what it does is it establishes a kingdom in us. It establishes a kingdom in us where the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The kingdom where the creator of the universe humbles himself to wash the dirty toes of his creator, creation. It's a topsy-turvy kind of kingdom that works so differently to the one knows so well. Where loving and serving and preferring others is the greatest thing that we can do. John the baptizer was famous in his region. He was an influential prophet. And he said, I must decrease and he must increase, speaking of Jesus. That's a prayer of abdication. Um, Craig Rochelle talks about dangerous prayers. I feel like I accidentally just prayed one. <laughs> um, he talks about dangers straight from Scripture. Changing from the bland and safe prayers of, bless me, give me, can I have, help me with this. These are things that we can do and that build relationship and God asks us to do. There's nothing wrong with it. But they're safe prayers. And it's all fine to pray, but not, it's not the end goal of stuff like, search me. Let's, let that sink for a moment. How about, break me, or remake me, or how about, send me? These are dangerous prayers, but they're prayers that lead to a life well lived in God, a life where the kingdom is stirring and leading us and guiding us into new things. And that's the kind of life I, I really do genuinely want to live. And we need to pray dangerous prayers to actually step that up and step into that. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.